Spags Taylor Swift released her new album at midnight and I am absolutely screaming. I'm dying inside because I've had to hear it since midnight in our house. But the good news, Pete, is we're going to decipher today. Did Christian McCaffrey get traded overnight or did we imagine that? We're also going to go into an underdog battle royale to draft some teams or at least one team today. And then, of course, ride or die picks for week seven. Pete and I are going to put ourselves on the line to continue our hot streak right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? And how is it writing the Fantasy Life newsletter when news breaks like that overnight? Yeah, you know, uh, that's that's what we have to do. You know, I put on my newsy cap and uh, I headed back to the typewriter and decided, uh, you know, we got to gotta scrap what we had and uh, get the daily news out to the people in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, pretty fun. You know, the NFL, it's generally pretty hard to pull off cool trades like the contracts and the stuff just normally don't line up in the same way it does in the NBA where you'll have like a flurry of insane moves every trade deadline. So like a legitimately bombshell NFL trade. Very fun. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that in a second here. But first of all, guys, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Make sure you hit the like button. Of course, here are the neon flashing lights down below. Please do all those things to help us out on here as we reshape the channel, do some different things here. Showdown content hopefully went well for you guys out there. Pete, I explicitly said on Twitter and on the stream I did yesterday that I'm not playing Rashid Shahid. What happens less than two minutes into the game? Rashid Shahid, a 50-yard touchdown, because that's showdown living. But that's, I think, the fun of showdown as well. Yeah, it is. I didn't have a ton of him either. I ended up having a profitable showdown night because uh, it's hilarious. I normally just play the lottos, you know, the big 20 max, the smaller 150 max, um, and really just trying to absolutely bank with complete trash lineups. But I was like, you know what? There's a smaller 20 max in here with only 3,000 entries. Let me actually put some of the, you know, hashtag best plays in there. And of course, you know, uh, I finished top 10 uh, with a decent lineup. So that's a little lesson for Pete back to back weeks of on the main slate, tossing the ceiling optimal into the baby spy, that min cash, and, you know, playing a smaller tournament. Who knew, Spags, that you didn't just have to galaxy brain for first place in every single contest. So that's where I disagree. I think the fun of Showdown is that you can play all these shitty plays that you would never look at normally. Like I, I watch, of course, talk a lot about Peach Stream with Jam to Win that he does every Friday, which you guys tune into later this afternoon on Peach Channel. But that's one where I think, you know, you talk about the idea of the blocks and the putting together these best, these really strong plays and all that. For Showdown, it's like, Hmm, should I play JP Holtz and leave $3,000 on the table? And I think that's the fun of it is that everything you think about DFS, you have to throw out. And I think that's hard for casual players, especially. Well, trust me, you're, you're speaking to the choir. I have fun doing that. I'm saying it doesn't have to be uh, mutually exclusive, that you can have your galaxy brain lineups in the contest where they need to be galaxy brain. And then you can have uh, higher equity lineups in the smaller field contest that could actually build your bankroll instead of just fucking hemorrhaging money every single slate like uh, someone's been doing this year. I've been enjoying the showdowns. I was saying to Pete before the show that I think showdowns have been my bailout. As I mentioned on the Monday and Thursday streams, I've been doing solo without Pete, trying to stay afloat there. I've uh, been doing some of the showdown breakdowns, giving three takeaways from each slate based upon crunching the optimal, looking at the ownership, and you know figuring out some ways to get different. So I, I think some people were saying yesterday they've helped. That's helped make a little money out there. But I would say if you want to wrap your head around showdown, that's what I, our plug is going to be here. Follow Splash Play, of course, and check out those shows. Um, and Galaxy Brain along with us. Pete, we got to pull up the, the tweet here from Christian McCaffrey. Of course, it is real news item. Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers yesterday. He's forever grateful for all the people who've helped make these past five and a half years so special for him. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. He says, Carolina, I will always love you. Keep pounding. I've always hated that hashtag as it's well. It's so too, bad. It's so just, bad. It's one of those double entendre hashtags that feels unprofessional, especially for an organization that's had some harassment in their past. Either way, though, Christian McCaffrey, hearts at nickel and dime. What he's done, Pete in Carolina, a top running back. I certainly have dug my heels in a little bit over the last few years about him perhaps being on the downside of his career. But him going back to the Bay Area, him going back to the Niners, I feel like all positive things. I have a lot of really horrific memories of him tearing up USC when he was at Stanford. Now he'll be back there. But anything you want to give as an in memoriam to uh, Chris McCaffrey's time in Carolina and I guess what it meant to you? I mean, honestly, he was he was such a unicorn, right, where, you know, we've seen the league shift 
in that there really aren't these bell cow backs. And even when they do hit, they have been, you know, guys like Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook who are really efficient rushers. And to see a throwback to the like Ladanian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk guys who were catching a shit ton of balls and scoring a lot of touchdowns, he really was a throwback. Like when you go look at like, we're chasing these legendary seasons, it's all like mid 2000 guys and then Christian McCaffrey. And so it was absolutely incredible. It was also just so funny too, when he came into the league, there were people who were fudding him because they were said, Hey, Chris, uh, who was it? Cam Newton has never thrown the ball to a running back. How's Christian McCaffrey going to catch passes? And it's like, well, when you have a talent like Christian McCaffrey, you're going to throw him the ball. So I think it was just, it's, it's cool that he gets another lease on life because it was looking so dire for him. And I do really think that that 25 point plus per game upside is like back in play in the way you were hoping for when you drafted him 101 or 102. You know, it's not in play for is Elijah Mitchell. Now that guy is boy, that guy is as dust as could be Jeff Wilson as well. Actually one funny headline on NBC sports edge, which of course you should be supporting, checking them out. There are lots of great work. Of course, Pete's pal, Matthew Berry. Well, I would say our pal, Matthew Berry over on NBC doing a lot. No, of great no, stuff. no, just mine. He's been talking he's, a lot he's of our shit pal, about well, you lately. Really a mentor to both of us equally across our careers at various points. Uh, but they had a headline, Pete, Jeff Wilson is no longer the 49ers starting running back following the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey, a hot take by NBC sports edge, but it really just cleaned up this quagmire of the Niners backfield that we've been chasing the last few years if they don't go to McCaffrey 20 times a game I I mean that's like the Niners galaxy branding themselves yeah I mean look I mean Jeff Wilson Jr. isn't going away they're not going to give McCaffrey 30 touches but I don't know how you don't spin this as a positive it's one of those classic things too is like okay maybe he doesn't get quite as many touches but it's completely offset by the efficiency boost the run blocking scheme, the trips to the red zone. I mean, Lord Reeves had the tweet last night. I mean, if you want to put this in perspective, I'll pull this up on the screen here as I read it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is going from a team that has run a league low five offensive plays from inside of the 10-yard line to one that has run 30, tied for fifth. So, I mean, the amount of scoring opportunities that he's going to have here is just a magnitude greater than what we were seeing in Carolina. So does he hurt Debo Samuel? Does he hurt these other guys that are there? Brandon Ayuk, we saw finally have the breakout game. George Kittle, I know we've targeted a lot as being an elite tight end who I think has not lived up to the pedigree, though. You'd say that about everybody who's not Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews so far this year. But does he make this offense better, Pete? Does he make it worse just by kind of sucking enough production away, given that they do tend to play it close to the vest? I guess, how do you view the overall economy now for the Niners? Yeah, I mean, it probably like you watched that game last week and they were running a lot of check down like type screens to George Kittle. And you're like, sweet, they're manufacturing touches for one of their better players. Like the whole thing with this Jimmy Garoppolo offense is that basically the ancillary non Debo, non Jeff Wilson pieces, primarily Ayuk and Kittle were not going to have the consistency that we want. And I think maybe that even gets exasperated a little bit more with CMC there, where it's just like, I don't think the ceiling is gone for any of these guys. I still think Kittle, Ayuk can pop up for 30-point games, but it's going to be a little bit more um, volatility, I think, with CMC just commanding such a big target share. Yeah, I think it opens things up overall, certainly increases the volatility, as Pete's saying, week to week. Like Debo Samuel as a guy I'm deeply invested in, I think it wouldn't be shocking to see his touchdown equity go up and him get less of those easy little touches that he's gotten running the ball. But, you know, the hope is that the talent makes the team better, and I think that's sort of where if you are invested in the Niners pretty deeply, you could feel good about it. A uh, shout-out to the chats as well, of course. People asking Foreman or Hubs, or are they worth an ad? Um, I see, Pete, you got a tweet pulled up as well, but let's answer this question first about Foreman and, and you know, of course, uh, Chuba Hubbard, who has been a disappointment previously filling in. I'm excited for Deontay Foreman. I think they signed him for a reason. Obviously, we have seen the coaching regime change over a little bit, so maybe that won't be the case, but I think he's now one of those 18th round best ball flyers that Pete will cover his ears for, as we say. He's probably in a really good situation, but overall, it feels like the Panthers are such a dust ball. Like last week, P.J. Walker had a negative A dot targeting guys behind the line. That's not going to be good at QB, but Pete, who wins out in the Panthers over Overall, in this, you know, with no McCaffrey now there to rely on. Yeah, I do really think it's going to be a true split. I was drafting Foreman as the handcuff most of the offseason. I thought he looked good in Tennessee last year, but we just had a Carolina Panthers beat writer on SiriusXM last week, and he said Chuba had been playing ahead of him in a lot of the practice situations and that the team does slightly prefer Chuba right now. That was as of last week. But like you said, I think this is going to be such a low ceiling offense that I don't know how excited you're getting about either of them. I think I like Foreman's talent a little bit better, but if the team 
likes Hubbard a bit more. It, it does seem like it could just be a total wash. Let's pop the tweet that you have here, uh, Pete, if you want to go through this one from Adam Schefter. <laughs> I just thought this tweet was hilarious. So if you're wondering, you know, is CFC going to play this week? Uh, Schefter says he's scheduled to fly to San Francisco on Friday where he'll meet his new teammates and begin to learn the playbook. It will be challenging to have him in uniform Sunday versus the Chiefs. So all of that makes a ton of sense. And then he goes, but McCaffrey did go to Stanford and anything is possible. I mean, I, I, have, I, I would love to ask Schefter a question about this. I, I couldn't help but get in the mix with the trolling here. Just even knowing his old dorm is nearby should provide the comfort he needs to play. I mean, what the fuck is that tweet? Maybe it's that Stanford has some classes on wizardry, on magic, and then you know that's something that's going to help him out here because he'll be able to instantly pick up that playbook by just casting an incantation. I just was like, it was like you know the the meme of uh, you know oh uh, people forget Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard or people forget that Antonio Gates played basketball. It was like he wanted to do that meme in here. Like people forget McCaffrey did go to Stanford, which is technically close to where he's now playing. I, I also he was like so excited to get it in there too. And anything possible. Like didn't even get the is in there. It's just and anything possible. <laughs> Some people were sending the Kevin Garnett gift to anything is possible or whatever. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Alex saying it's hilarious um, when Shefty adds his two cents to whatever he copied and pasted from the text he received. That is true. He does try to editorialize to make it seem like he's not just doing the barest minimum of work. Shefter, honestly, one of those guys were like coasting on the, the laurels of early reporting days. And now he just gets his info and throws in some fucking Peter King style waxing poetic about bullshit. I was like a little, because I, I have seen people who've gotten blocked by Schefter, and I was like, all right, I'm going in. Uh, I can't fly too close to the sun. Like, I do need these tweets for when I'm writing the newsletter, but I just couldn't let that one go. Um, and shout out to the chat as well. Of course, seeing Johannes here asking, which is greater, the San Francisco offense's red zone trips or less opportunities from playing with other elite players? Just thinking, I, you know, I think that's one of those things that, you know, it's going to depend a lot on the matchup where if you're playing against the Lions, like we're going to talk about Dak Prescott coming back this week. I think he's coming back because he knows this is the easiest matchup. He can come back in, show his value, show that he's better than Cooper Rush. That, you know, kind of cements his role there. If there was any question at all. But I think, Pete, overall, it's just that you would expect that the opportunities get higher in effectiveness, higher in efficiency, but lower in terms of volume. And I think overall, like, that ends up coming out in the wash. But I don't know if you have any strong leans about that, Pete. I, I do. I'm always pro. I want the bigger piece of the pie, or I want the bigger pie, even if it's a smaller slice. So, I mean, look no further than Gabe Davis and Devonta Smith, right? Where they are on the bad side of volatility some weeks. You know, Devonta Smith had a bagel week one. You know, Gabe Davis has extremely low games. But when they do hit, the offense is so explosive that they completely offset it. When you get that 30-point week, um, it can more than make up for a couple of dud weeks. So always give me the player on the better offense, better team. And, you know, DJ Moore, like prime example. Dude has a 25% target share. It does not fucking matter. So um, even talented players with volume still give me the, the offense that can uh, matriculate the ball downfield. And then Brandon asking the somewhat obvious question that we probably should just answer is McCaffrey worth starting this week or wait a week. I think if he's in there, you play him just because you need to get some scoring going against the Chiefs offense um, that, you know, I think going to come in with a tough matchup on paper going against the Niners. As I talked about yesterday, they in terms of EPA numbers allowed in terms of the which is the expected points added in terms of DVOA numbers. The Niners are a top defense in every metric, but you got to throw everything against the wall and hope something sticks, Pete. And I feel like if you have McCaffrey out there against the Chiefs and this is a, a measuring stick matchup, I think they want him out there, even if it is for less a share of plays just because he doesn't know the playbook yeah i'm guessing we'll probably get decent reporting on this as of oh he got integrated he saw the stanford sign and just immediately <laughs> just, uh, got electrified <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, no i do think we'll get it my guess is they're gonna say it'll probably be the robbie anderson thing right where he's active he's gonna play you know uh, a complement of snaps but not necessarily be the full bell cow my guess is he suits up and gets 10 touches and with Christian McCaffrey in that offense you got to assume a few of those are catching the ball and in this running back economy I think you're probably starting him in that scenario and our guy Jason here right we have to take this question before we hop into talking Taylor Swift news as well as catching up on anything else Pete wants to talk about in terms of NFL week seven uh, but Jason here is playing in the four thousand four hundred forty four dollar millimaker maker on Sunday he think I he wanted to stick it through a satellite Pete so you yeah. are I think, a single entry expert you know, you talk a lot about the spy. Entry, <laughs> you, you know, as much as you do it a lot. I don't know. Thank you. Success Thank metrics you. there. Uh, but how do you feel about this situation here? You can see on the screen, of course, Jason. Always happy to see our splash play regulars. And Jason goes back as early as anybody, I feel like, watching the show. It's him and Willis who are watching us in season one. Um, but I think a great win for Jason. And how would you give him advice on how to approach this? 
Yeah, well, this is going to be a super fun sweat. Jason, you're going to have to post post your lineup in the uh, in the Splash Play channel in the Deposit Kingdom Discord or, or anywhere in there so we can sweat along with you on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think how many you said it's 567 entries. I think you will probably be the one thing I'll say that I've noticed, you know, in some of the contests Leone plays or when we're in the game changer for tilt space, like when you do get in the really nosebleed stake, smaller field stuff, you do get a ton more of just like the cash optimal type stuff. Like people are way less willing to be like, all right, I'm going to game stack this Miami Dolphins, Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to put in Waddle and Tyreek and Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman and stuff like that. So you're going to be competing against a lot of very like high floor high ceiling teams. And I think you, I think you play your normal game, Jason, you clearly got a good feel for things going on here. You know how to build these rosters that can get to the top. I would just say, don't play scared. Like don't tense up. Don't be putting more chalk in than you normally would just because you're playing a higher stakes. Um, I say you play to win. And uh, I think you're going to have fun building that lineup. Yeah, I would personally just go to one of the you know lower ownership but still highly projected lineups. Like I wouldn't try to Galaxy Brain that much personally. Um, I think you know, Ren Pack talked about when he did the show right before the season started, where uh, for some of the higher dollar tournaments, single entry tournaments that he would do, he talked about just you know pulling up an optimal, uh, you know, taking one or two pivots off of that and going there. I don't know that you need to be that conservative, but I agree with Pete. Like, you don't play for the cash line in these kind of tournaments, Pete. You still play to win it. And I think that's the one thing where if people get these satellite entries, they tend to want to just go like, ah, if I cash, it's still a big win. But like, you could actually win a million dollars. And I, you know, for Jason's sake, he's got the Arnie Weinmeister card, Pete. So he's got all the luck on his side. Yeah, I mean, Jason has done everything karma-wise that you could ever want. I mean, he still has a pinned photo of him with the mans at the Rivers <laughs> Casino in Pittsburgh. I mean, what more could you want? This guy deserves the Millie. Have you had a Millie maker from, like, the Deposit Kingdom crowd? Like, obviously, you have a bunch on lulls every week, but I, I can't recall seeing one personally. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to count Liam, um, my chess prodigy, <laughs> uh, as a as a millionaire that came from the Deposit Kingdom. But yeah, DFS-wise, uh, uh, I don't think so because I don't think a lot of people in the Deposit Kingdom play the Millie Maker. You know, I think mm. we're more of a, a small field, single entry, three max type crew. Uh, although Jay Fresh, uh, he is in the ship chasing and in the, uh, the DFS. He had the, I think it was like an eight or nine way chop on Monday night. So he had a really nice score there. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still chasing that solo ship. Of course we got to When our guy Sammy pops in the chat, we got to give him a shout out saying, I love you motherfuckers. I have a new work schedule. Haven't been fucked with you guys so much, but much love from Buffalo, New York, the Buffalo war pigs, Pete. It would not be a stream if Sammy didn't pop in at least to say hi, Sammy. We fucking love you too, man. Fucking, uh, have a great fucking weekend, dude. All right, let's go, Pete. Of course, yesterday, a big moment in all of our lives. Fantasy football fans lining up around the streets to listen to Taylor Swift's Midnight's Pete, which I have to say, I don't know your relationship with Taylor Swift, but mine is uh, harried, I will say, because I had no real opinion about Taylor Swift. I find any of the, the fandoms out there, the, the Beehives, the, the Swifties, uh, the Rihanna Navy especially, certainly no friends of mine out there. But I think I really grew averse to Taylor Swift by being forced to listen to her throughout the pandemic as I got closer with my my now wife alex she played taylor swift in our one bedroom then our two bedroom i'd hear it all the time our baby was born to shake it off i hate taylor swift now as a result pete what's your relationship with taylor swift um i wouldn't say mine is as complicated i guess you could say i'm indifferent i am not a psychopathic super fan nor do i despise her music uh dare i say some of her stuff slaps uh, I will say last night, like, so I'm watching the game and everyone's getting excited for this trailer and it comes on and like the aesthetic is really cool. It has like this retro postmodern, like mashup vibe to it. And I kept waiting for like, I thought they were going to play like 30 seconds of the song or like 45 seconds to tease it. And it was just nothing. It was like a very ambient lo-fi beat and the, just showing like scenes from the music video and everyone's like, oh, there's fucking Mike Birbiglia. And I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a teaser. Like, aren't you supposed to play like a little bit of the music? But we only had to wait another hour. And then of course I stayed up all night and I played this on fucking repeat spags. But it is of course a cultural moment. And of course, you know, the thing that we know from social media time and time again, you got to wedge fantasy football and everything. And Lunchable Connoisseur saying, honestly, she kills it. <laughs> I, Pete, I don't know if you follow Lunchable Connoisseur's comments as closely as I do. Not the man I would have expected to come in as a Taylor Swift ride or die. 
You know what? Here's the thing. I don't think anyone like liking Taylor Swift is completely normalized. Like there's nothing weird. It's it's you don't even have to be like, I ironically like Taylor Swift. People can just unapologetically like Taylor Swift. You don't even need to say honestly. You can just say she kills it, man. You can just say slay queen. Go off. Well, let's go off queen on this playlist here and let's make some comparisons to fantasy football players. And I feel like Pete, I see the title lavender haze. I could think about one man here and put me in a haze all off season long. That's Justin Jefferson. And I'm kind of waiting for him to have the same year that some of his peers are having Stefan Diggs. I think the first guy to crest over hundred fantasy points on underdog so far in best ball overall, you know, Jamar chase, we've seen the upside and Jefferson. It feels like every week he's on the cusp of doing these monumental things and just falls a little bit short last week against Miami was the case but i'm still in this haze pete and i think he's gonna pay off for me at some point is there anybody who speaks to you for a lavender haze no i like that one too and there's something about justin jefferson's game where he's so silky smooth like you don't even think of him as like super explosive it's just he's got that it looks like he just uh ripped the bong the lavender haze strain out there running routes just super slick you get a little uh um prince kind of vibes to it when i hear lavender haze as well and uh, I, I like that one. I think that's a good call. What about Maroon, Pete? Does anything come to mind there for Maroon? Maroon 5, perhaps? Uh, Maroon Teams? There's a lot of Maroon colors out there. What speaks to you on the number two track on Midnight's? Yeah, I thought there's two ways you could go with this, right? You could go with the literal maroon. I mean, we now have CMC. He's literally now going from keeping pounding to wearing a maroon jersey. So that would be the literal sense. I also thought of this in the um, the sense of being marooned or trapped mm. on an island. I was thinking of Darnell Mooney, um, just marooned down the sideline, just running no chance for anyone to ever throw him the ball, no matter how much praise Bill Belichick lavishes on that offense. So that's that's my guy there. Marooned also could be DJ Moore left behind in Carolina. They're saying he's a foundational piece as they continue to not make him a foundational piece on the field time and time again. Uh, Hooper here, of course, Brick coming in. Taylor Swift is a tool of the state. Don't be fooled. <laughs> Has this been a lull take of the past week? I mean, if there's any kind of crossover between, you know, government conspiracy theories and musicians, Brick is generally on top of it. Anti-hero, Pete, for me, this is Aaron Rodgers, the anti-hero of everything. Ooh. Even like in his press conferences kind of comes off like he's on a parody of an anti-hero show on like on Hulu right now. I feel like overall, like he's the guy that the more we know about him, the less you like him. And, and there's still something that makes you want to root for him because he has been down this road time and time again. But I, I, I this is the song that's been played the most in our house already, Pete. So I'm already deeply biased against it. So maybe that's informing my Aaron Rodgers take. But I think the anti-hero of the season, to me, the anti-hero of the league has got to be Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a really good one. I will do a runner-up. I'll say fucking Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he came into the league. He was going to be the hero. He was going to be the savior for inventive football. He was going to bring the air raid, and the Cardinals were going to soar to offensive heights we never thought possible. And instead, he's just a donkey who's getting yelled at by Kyler Murray on national television, kicking field goals whenever he can, underutilizing his talent, getting bailed out by other protagonists in the offense. So Cliff Kingsbury is my anti-hero. Snow on the beach. This one for me screams Miami Dolphins Super Bowl, Pete. I, they're passing Ooh. above expectation to coming back in this week. And I think the one thing that jumps out to me over and over again is just that Miami plays in a way that's fun. Miami plays in a way that's exciting. Boy, if they had gotten McCaffrey somehow, I think Mike McDaniel would have found a lot of good ways to dole him out there. But I feel like snow on the beach to me, a Miami Super Bowl that people have now maybe soured on. But we saw the upside those first few weeks. So I think there could be both literal snow on the beach, of course, Miami stereotypes, but also snow on the beach in terms of just that Super Bowl game flow coming to Miami. I was going to say, Snow on the Beach sounds like uh, a cocaine-themed party that the Gronkowskis <laughs> would throw and charge admission to in Miami Beach. Which, and, uh, you would go to that party and have a fantastic time if you, you know, your nose would certainly be feeling a little bit worse for the wear, but that's part of the Gronk experience, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, you're on your own, kid. You already mentioned DJ Moore. I mean, this was the epitome, like CMC saying peace out, Robbie Anderson saying peace out. Uh you're on your own, kid. You're you're stuck with some combo of PJ Walker this week, maybe Sam Darnold going forward. I, the team has already called him a foundational piece. I, I do truly think DJ Moore is on his own here. Midnight rain. This goes out to our boy JJ Zacharyson, of course, the late round QB himself. The East Coast dads out there. A lot of midnight rain of plays being blown up last minute. If you're watching these island games time and time again, I think the midnight rain is really just waiting up for your your showdown lineups to maybe hit first, Pete, only to find out that Rashid Shahid scored a touchdown. And nope, now you're in five thousandth place out of a million. Yeah, you know, we always wait up for midnight making it rain from our DK account, and that just does not seem to be happening. 
How about this? Question dot, dot, dot. Is Eno Benjamin our zero RB league winning savior? I mean, the dude looked good last night, Spags. Eno uh, had yeah. some juice. So did Keontae Ingram. I'll, I'll tip of the cap where it's due. But uh, I really just want James Conner to retire and head to snow on the beach parties with Gronk. Vigilante shit. Darrell Williams storming back into the Cardinals facility and going, hey, people were drafting me this offseason thinking I was going to be a sharp play because of James, Con James Conner's proclivity to getting hurt. And I think he needs to pull some vigilante shit because some could say he's the true Reno Benjamin uh, that we wanted in our hearts all along. Anybody bejeweled for you, Pete? Yeah, it's, it's Josh Allen, it's Steph Diggs, it's Devin Singletary, it's Gabe Davis, because they're winning the Super Bowl. Their fingers are going to be bejeweled with that Super Bowl ring this year. It's inevitable the Bills are winning the Super Bowl, Spags. Labyrinth, to me, is figuring out the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room. Every week you're trying to go, who is going to be an MVS week? No, it's a Juju Smith-Schuster week for the first time in seven years. Um, I think Labyrinth, to me, is just exploring the, the various stacks that you get into, only to find out you were wrong this whole time. Who deserves some karma, Pete? Karma, you know, this week, Josh Jacobs is going to be the stone-cold chalk in DFS. Us GPP bros are going to flock to Devontae Adams with no Darren Waller. He's going to look so good. But Karma, you can't just push over a photographer and expect to get a 30-point game. He is going to flop. Hunter Renfro is going to rise from the ashes because Devontae Adams is about to get that karmic justice. Sweet nothing, the song I sing the Kyle Pitts before he throws up his stat lines every week. Uh, maybe <laughs> this week will be different, but I just keep whispering sweet nothings to him, and he keeps producing sweet nothings on the field. So that's what comes to mind for me. Uh, do you want mastermind or do you want your do you have your own sweet nothing? No, uh, that's a good one. Our mastermind, it's it's Brian Dayball, man. How does this guy keep getting wins with absolutely zero talent? All he has is Barkley. He's making Daniel Jones look competent. I mean, imagine Cliff Kingsbury and Nathaniel Hackett with this Giants team. It would be an absolute disaster. Brian Dayball getting the most out of these guys, about to unlock Wandale Robinson. He is the mastermind. All right, there we go. So there's your Midnight's take, your Midnight's review from Splash Pit that you've all been dying for. So guys, hit that like button down below. Of course, subscribe to the channel. Lauren asking a question here off topic, but why is nobody talking about Matt Ryan this week versus the 31st ranked pass defense when he's at 350 yards, three games a season? I talked about Matt Ryan yesterday, Pete, and maybe we'll get into it in the ride or dies here coming up. But I think Matt Ryan's an interesting play going against a Titans team that gets killed by the deep ball, even by guys like Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, the big riddle is if they play like they did last week, which they Pat Thorman had a great tweet about it there, uh, no huddle rate, the amount of plays they ran, obviously the amount of touchdowns they scored was just completely off the charts relative to their usual pace. And so then the question we're trying to untangle is how much of that had to do with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor being out and throwing the ball more, and how much of that is going to revert with Jonathan Taylor back in the lineup? Are they going to get back to more of a plotting game plan? But even if they middle, what they did uh, last week with what they did earlier in the season, like that's going to be really good for Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan. So I could see it. I prefer to just go back to Jonathan Taylor, though. I don't think anyone's going to play him this week. I just got him in the last round of a battle royale draft last night like Ooh. people just don't want to play these guys coming off injury speaking of pete battle royale time here before we hit the ride or die picks of course you can play along with us on underdog use the promo code splash to double your deposit up to 100 and i wouldn't be doing my job i saw nez in the chat earlier i did the badge bros show earlier this week and one thing that pete and i have always talked about is like if we have any sort of ability to help shine a light on new creators out there they're doing a good job we'll do that the badge bros guys i had a lot of fun doing that show and pete they are grinding these underdog streams every day in a way that feels to me completely brilliant i know you don't have the bandwidth for it i don't have the bandwidth for it but underdog is so big right now that just doing contests every day on there like not enough dfs sites are doing it those guys are doing it and doing it very intelligently so they get the full plug for me here uh yeah i mean i'm every every time like i still love the dfs puzzle but man just uh blasting off on these underdog drafts it seems like a more enjoyable and a, a more mentally freeing exercise if anything also shout out to uh jonathan he's rkfd in the deposit kingdom discord he got first place on i believe the monday through thursday slate on underdog for 10k uh this week so the badge bros the deposit kingdom continue to absolutely rake here on underdog universe coming in here saying matt ryan is one of the worst plays of the week i mean i would agree that matt ryan is really just a vessel for alec pierce's greatness this week but uh i don't know that he's one of the worst plays overall you can't argue a guy who just basically would have won a millie maker if anybody had played him last week uh yeah but uh you know the you got to be on matt ryan the week before he does that not the week after right
That's true. That's that's what they always say about Matt Ryan specifically. Uh, Battle Royale format, you've been playing it more, Pete. Any new insights that have come to you? And I think it's one of the things we will talk about Battle Royale throughout the season because I think there is an edge to be found. Um, I was talking with the, the Badge Bros guys about how in NBA, I think you just take FanDuel projections and try to draft according to those. Uh, but for NFL, anything new occurred to you? Any strokes of genius? Um, I, I definitely get off the board. I thought it was interesting earlier in the week. Uh, it was Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, one, two, Austin Eckler jumped him in ADP people excited about him. I think it's crazy that Mark Andrews is going after Travis Kelsey. Um, sorry, Willis. Uh, I think Mark Andrews is the efficient uh, one one in these contests right now. Uh, until we see otherwise, but yeah, I, I like to get off the board. I end up doing lots of stuff where like I'll sacrifice a first round pick. Like I started my one last night as basically the DFS chalk. I took Josh Jacobs and CD lamb knowing like a lot of people aren't going to start with those two. Cause they're going to have one of the first top six picks. So I'm willing to throw ADP out the window here. You just aren't sacrificing a ton of projected points when you do it. Are we throwing ADP out the window here and not taking Eckler? Cause he is in a nice spot against a Seattle team that cannot defend I literally anything. Yeah, if his ADP is 102, uh, I'm definitely taking him here just thinking about the uniqueness angle and that you're probably going to get him paired with someone that a bunch of other teams aren't. Okay, that's fair. And I, I think it's interesting too, like taking Ramondre Stevenson was one thing I did a lot last week, which I don't think that was necessarily the right move. But Josh Jacobs going this low, you know, he's a DFS chalk play, so he's worth the grab. Um, I do like your take on CeeDee Lamb here. I feel like he's still worth the flyer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the only other thing would be to do Adams just trying to get a more unique pairing because like a lot of 102 mm. Eckler drafters will probably be able to get CeeDee Lamb. So it's just trying to maximize the uniqueness angle there. Okay. Yeah, no, let's get leverage against Jacobs. Maybe Adams do. Maybe the cameraman thing is the, the thing that lights a fire underneath him, Pete, after that brutal assault that we all had to witness on video. I mean, that guy just didn't deserve the the haranguing he got that he, that he immediately went to the police about. And not the ironic usage of the word assault when you reply to someone who just dunked on someone on Twitter. No, this is the true version. Put up historical anomalies tweet because this is a good PSA here as well. Uh, everyone needs to get in a battle royale this week, receive a hundred X pick'em boost on Monday night. Yeah. Underdog announced that this week, obviously the pick'em games. And all you have to do is do at least one of these $5 entry, and then it'll be made available in your account. hundred X got to take advantage of that. Yes, use that promo code SPLASH, double your deposit up to $100. And honestly, you know, or use promo code Pete, whichever you want. But, but you know, this challenge is No, splash. you splash. You splash. <laughs> You've got to get that. I got my first wire from Underdog this week, Pete, from converting ones and ones of subs over there. So we're killing it. Wow. You know, it feels good. You got to gotta start somewhere, Spag. <laughs> it's true. One, one by one here. So use that promo code SPLASH and, and play on Battle Royales. I do think they are really the perfect kind of toilet game. Like that's one thing where I think they've started to figure, well, you, you know, toilet you, game. You, I don't know if that's going to stick with their marketing department. Try the best toilet game out there. Well, I think with the, you know, with the ease of use of underdog, like at the end of the day, you just want to get people to play your thing on the shitter, to build your lineup on a shitter. And I think the Battle Royale timing-wise, like, I'm not doing it a lot myself personally, but I could see how somebody would, and we're on the clock again. Who do you want? Um, Let's see here. Um, Mike Evans well, after a bust week? Well, do you want to correlate around, like, do you want to go in on this game with, say, Herbert and Mike Williams with Eckler, or do we think that's too negatively correlated? I also think Jonathan Taylor shouldn't be available here, but that's just me. Let's take Jonathan Taylor. Why not? Because I, I, I'm going to get enough Alec Pearson DFS, so let's do Taylor. Um, <laughs> I love how you're willing to draft Jonathan Taylor because you're going to have a bunch of Alec Pierce. Um, I should also – what was I going to mention here? Uh, I forget what I was going to say. I was Oh, I was going to say your thesis about you just want people to use your shit on the toilet. Is that kind of your mission statement for probably too? <laughs> Uh, that you just want people to be <laughs> reviewing the data on the toilet. Well, I can tell you, it's going to be very, we have, we're working with our UX firm in Brazil right now. And the whole goal is to make it as easy as possible to place profitable bets and do that like in a timely fashion. So uh, you could say that Pete, you could pop in for a shit, leave with five really good bets. And then um, yeah, at the end of the day, the, I think that's any product like TikTok's the same thing. You know that. Um, Let's see. So, I mean, Kittle, if we want to go the tight end route or we need to start thinking about like backdooring uh, like a game stack, like if you do want to go Herbert here, we could take, I believe Keenan is still available if we lose out on Williams. So Keenan might not play can... though. That's what feels like a risk. It seems like Keenan's going to play, but yeah. You can also always set your rankings for who you want to. I'm, 
I'm going to take Mike Evans here. I'm okay. just going to panic take Mike Evans because I think we can get Brady late. And this is one thing I talked about with the Badge Bros guys, like that I don't think people apply enough DFS principles where if the guy busts last week and everybody was like, oh, this guy's a f- tremendous stack, like people just don't go back to him this week. So Brady being bad against the against the Steelers last week, like if he gets back on track against the Carolina team that we now actively know is playing for nothing, I think Tom Brady's going to be worth taking in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I, I'm like a little worried about that game. I mean, they're 10-point favorites. It has a pretty low uh, total um, and just wondering. I mean, if, if Mike Evans gets there, it's because he scores two touchdowns, and that could certainly come in the first half as they're pulling away. But it's just hard to imagine the shootout. But of, of, of all the players you can play as like a high-ceiling one-off, I think Mike Evans is is near the top. And then, yeah, John noticing that I am, in fact, level one badged up. Now, he just in time actually do the Badge Bro show, so I wasn't a complete fraud on there. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a Badge Bro now, Pete, and I think that's the important thing to remember is that I'm just an influencer, you know, just an average influencer, not one of those high-level ones with the red badge. Well, it, it gives you kind of credibility. Like, you can't, you know, claim to be an underdog influencer if you actually haven't put in the, uh, the time in these draft rooms battling the Badge Bros. Yeah, it's and again, honestly, I really think they've made it a lot of fun. Like, uh, you know, we're financially motivated to plug them, and, I, and we also just love the guys. Like, Pete's an investor, and they're like, you know, we we've known the people for a while. Over I there. expect you are so incapable of doing a normal you plug. You have it. no, you have never done a normal plug. We are financially invested in the Badge Pro Sixteen. Well, not the badge bros who got underdog succeeding, but we are like, you got to say like, oh, we're not like, I'm not unbiased, but I just think it's a fantastic experience. A lot of fun for everybody, for the whole family. God, let's, uh, I think we take Kittle, right? Or, or can we correlate our Herbert with Eckler? Well, but you take Kittle and then you can get either Herbert or Brady. Oh, right? Okay. You know what? You know, you know, classic galaxy brain Pete here, <laughs> solid <laughs> draft strategy. <laughs> But to be clear, I have no financial motivation for the badge bros. Like I, you know, they they give all their money to us. I, I swear to God, like uh you like you know, if you guys ever get uh married, uh, you know, your vows would have caveats in them. You'd be like, you know what, you know, yeah, we've had a lot of good times, uh, you know, but there's been some shitty times too. And then Spags goes on a whole digression that says, I do. All right, Brady or Herbert, which one? <laughs> um I think I kind of like the Brady just, uh, we probably want Eckler scoring a couple rushing touchdowns for that to get there. Okay. I'm good with Brady. All right. So our team here, Tom Brady, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Devonte Adams, Mike Evans, George Kittle. We did not get a guy after a 35.5 ADP, which is something I've been trying to do more of because those yeah. guys go undrafted a good enough amount, but really solid floor team was certainly a ceiling as well. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I always try to think through it. Like if I'm super chalky, then I definitely want a, a sub or, you know, 35 ADP guy. I'm kind of hoping that that Adams Eckler pairing at the top is, is unique enough there. And then also, you know, we reached for Jonathan Taylor ahead of ADP. Maybe, maybe we have some uniqueness angles. All right, so we got the ride or die picks graded by Willis right before the show, so we can see them live here. Though I did, I did take a peek here, and Pete, actually, I think a, a historical anomaly of our own. Shout out to, of course, historical anomalies in the chat. This is one of our first ties, a tie in week six between us. What? You want to guess what the score was in this tie? It had to have been zero zero. No, it's in fact. So we have hit at least one every week. We both just hit literally one. So it was ten. Oh, so it's just we we each got one ten pointer. Yep, so you got Jamar Chase in the winning Millie Maker lineup. That paid off for you. Me with Stefan Diggs outscoring Cooper Cup by 10-plus points. So wow. we're keeping it going. We're getting the low-probability bets every week, Pete, but they certainly are you know, getting a little bit thin sometimes. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, it's, it's good to know uh, that this is how this went. I do think I'm going to cover some ground this week, though. Did you see it? We have to address one critique before Pete, of course, gives the rules for our ride or die game. Did you see that Frankie called us out in the YouTube comments saying like, oh, the reason you guys are hitting more 10 pointers is you've gotten soft. And I don't think we've gotten soft. I think we're still taking very hard bets every week. It's just that now Pete and I know like, oh, here's what's a fair 10 pointer versus here's what's us just nickel and dime each other for the sake of being mean. I mean, this is what I would say. There's a there's a dynamic here where Spags and I, and I've explained this before, you got to give action to get action. You know, if I just stonewall Spags on every one of his bullshit, then I'm not going to ever get away with any of my bullshit. So that's part of the song and dance. Now, in a perfect world, Spags, we would have like a true, um, you know, individual here to officiate, to arbitrate this kind of thing. And they would be the ruler on all of this and catch all of the bullshit. But frankly, we don't have that. And so everyone's stuck with the current setup. 
Yeah, we were we were in the hunt for our, our mentor Matthew Barry to come and do that every week, but unfortunately, got slightly outbid by NBC just by like this much. Yeah, um, we need to convert a few more underdog referrals before we can afford him. <laughs> All right, first game on. Actually, give Pete uh, the rules here for the ride or die picks, of course, so everybody can play along at home with our our silly esoteric game. Yeah, we are going to go game by game and each give one hot take pick. It doesn't technically have to be a hot take pick, but you'd only get one point for a lukewarm pick. I'd call that something that has a 50% chance of hitting. Say you're just taking a team on the spread or taking the over under. Um, If you get a little spicier, maybe a teammate outscoring another teammate who's projected for more points, that could be like a three-pointer if it has around a 30% chance of hitting. And then, of course, what Spags and I usually do is pull up from half court, yell buckets, and brick it off of the backboard. That is, in fact, a 10-pointer, something with a sub-10% chance of happening, and that's truly where all the fun is at anyways. Yeah, so that is why you get hot takes on the thumbnail because we are trying to do the best we can to not give you guys the chalk plays. You go to the swole cast, get your best Frito-Lays lineups on there, but here, Pete, we get a little bit thin. Ooh, listen to that pour. Mm, take a big sip for everybody, too. Did you spill on yeah, yourself? Yeah, I just spilled a little on my new sweatpants, too. I'm tilting. Oh, mm, but the best pours are the ones that you spill a little bit because that's the best audio. Let's yeah. Stop it. That's it. Atlanta, disgusting. 20.3 implied points. Cincinnati, 26.8 implied points. A game that on paper looks like Cincinnati defense should be rolling, whereas the Atlanta defense should be rolling over, Pete. But what do you want in this one with the Bengals and the Falcons? What do you have the uh, what do you have the over under at for this game? Uh, 47 right now. 47. So I think this game has such a wide range of outcomes in Pat Thorman's snaps and pace column. He actually had to create a new section for this one. It wasn't in the pace up or the pace down. It was basically like this could go any direction. Let's go on the high end. Let's say this clears uh, 56 points. That's 10 over the total, right? Um, Yeah. That's so yeah. 57 would be 10 over the total. All right. 50 over 57 in this game. Pete's official 10 pointer. Okay, so I I like where you're going with this. I kind of think this is the week, and I don't want to commit to it, but a Marcus Mariota stack, Pete, what if that stack were to get over, I'm looking at the numbers here, it seems like over 38 fantasy points would be the stochastic projection mark, 10 plus whatever they have. But I think it's Mariota plus What do you mean by stack? So like Mariota plus one. Mariota plus one, and you're you're able to get... Are you including if Caleb Huntley scores 25? Are you including that as a stack? You got to no, have more qualification. Okay, so you're saying a wide receiver, a tight end with Mariota. So you're going to get to cherry pick the highest scoring one. Mm-hmm. Um, over 38 points? No way. No, no way that's not a 10-pointer? No, Marcus Mariota has 20 points and Drake London has 18 that's oh, a see, classic three Stochastic has Mariota at 17.7 and Drake London at just under 11. Yeah, that's so do the math on that. So I think it's all right. Let's go over 40. Is over 40 enough? No, 42. I'm looking here at all right. I'll give you, I'll give you over 42 Mariota and a pass catcher combined. The thing that you're not baking in there, Spags, is if they get there, they're also getting it with the three point. 100 yard bonus for the receiver which is not yeah. baked into those projections no nor should it be because what if it gets 99 that happens more than often enough Stop also it. pete uh we got neil Catermole here which is a name i've not seen before so we just have to say hi hey guys hi hi neil hi neil <laughs> next game up indianapolis 20 implied points tennessee 23 implied points pete you know this game is one where matt ryan i don't know if you heard earlier in the show 350 plus passing yards in three games i think this game includes 100 yards and a touchdown for one alec pierce is that a 10 pointer sure 100 yards and a touchdown for alec pierce i will give you i will give you a 10 pointer thank you um let's see i will do i will do i want to do something with jonathan taylor i feel like uh can I get, I mean, if he goes for 30, he's probably in the winning Millie Maker lineup. I'll just say Jonathan Taylor in the winning Millie Maker. Okay, that's a, an easy one there. Winning, hopefully, Battle Royale running back as well. Green Bay, 23 implied points. Washington, 18.5 implied points. No Carson Wentz in this one. It is Taylor Heineke season. Perhaps soon Sam Howell season will find out there. Uh, but what do you want, Pete, in this one with the Packers and the Commanders? Um, This is the Romeo Dobbs breakout Ooh. game here. Been racking up. Air yards. I see him projected at 13 points. Um, give me a, a 10 pointer Romeo Dobbs over 23 points. Okay. I will give you that Pete. If you will allow Alan Lazard over 23 points, also being a 10 pointer. 
No, because he's projected for more points, so he would have to be over 25 points. What is, so are you just like, is ETR like really this different from Stochastic? Because Stochastic has a, a Lazard at 11.6, Dobbs at 11.9. 14.9, Lazard, 12.8, Dobbs. Should we be averaging Stochastic and ETR's projections like to build, like, is that what the move is, the plus EV move at this point? No, the plus EV move is you and I bickering, uh, and that would eliminate <laughs> bickering. Um, all right. I, I, I Lazard then over 23. Is that fair? Um, no, that's what I just did for Dobbs. 24. I mean, I trust Stochastic's projections and Lazard Here, can get I, more deep targets. I'll give you that. How about Alan Lazard scores double Romeo Dobbs? There's no way they're both clearing that. So if you're if you're right on Alan Lazard, then you're gonna be so right. So why don't you take double Dobbs then? Because that's not a good bet for me. Because he's projected for less. I don't know about it's these better for you. projections. Fine, I'll take Lazard, I guess. But I, I feel like we now need to average out Stochastic and ETR's projections as a metric, as a baseline for us. No, I don't trust those shitty projections. <laughs> All right, fine. Double Lazard. Uh, Lazard, nice deep ball matchup for him, I think. Two deep targets per game for Lazard. Tampa Bay, 26.3 implied points. Carolina, do you, do you know where the over-under fell to this? <laughs> In this game well, when I looked yesterday, I thought it was 40. What's it at now? 38? It is at 39.5, and Carolina's implied points are 13.3, which might be the lowest I can recall seeing in my entire time pulling data into an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, it's uh it's absolutely atrocious. Let's uh let's let's lean into the skid though. Can you give me I'll take give me 10 points for DJ Moore outscoring Mike Evans by Five points. Okay, that seems fair. It seems like a, a five-point difference in projection on Stochastic right now favoring Evans, so that would, in fact, be a 10-point swing overall. Um, I will take a Brady stack in the Millie Maker winning lineup. Okay, Brady with any pass catcher? I guess I could just say Brady because that's enough. But, yeah, I'll say Brady in the yeah, Millie yeah, Maker you, winning lineup. Yeah, you, you could get a – okay, Brady winning Millie Maker. Uh, next game up, we got Cleveland, 19.5 implied points. Baltimore, 26 implied points. Big favorite at home in this one. Um, I guess I'll go first in this one and take... Um, is Bateman going to play, do you think? He he was... Uh, I believe I saw he was back at practice yesterday, right? Yeah, I think so. But I like they signed Jackson this week, which seems odd if he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm honestly not sure. I haven't seen the updated practice report. <sighs> All right. Um, let's say... okay. One of Rashad Bateman or Devin Duvernay outscores Mark Andrews. Is that a 10-pointer? No. It's a 10-point differential in projection. You have two cracks at it. If you pick one of them to do that, that's a 10-pointer. Okay, well, Bateman, if he's in, and then if he's hurt, Duvernay. Okay. Okay. That's fine. You can have a you can have a backup, but not both. That's a that's a cheat. <laughs> I just want to eat. I want them all. <laughs> all right, what do you want? Stop it. Um, I will do. Let's do let's do something really spicy. We'll do a 10-pointer. Uh Jacoby Brissett outscores Lamar Jackson. Oh, okay. That feels man, that's not like really a 10-pointer, but it's a good 10-pointer. I'll give you that. I'm seeing 10 point. What to give me the sto stochastic spread and projection on those two. No, you're right. It's actually it is over 10 point. They got Jacoby Brissett projected for under 13.9 is what they have him projected for. There you go. There you have it. Brissett stack's kind of interesting because it's not going to pop up in an optimizer, I'll tell you that much. No, and Amari just keeps hitting every week. Mm -hmm. Najoku's been good. I don't mind it. Yeah, Galaxy Brain there, but maybe one. Honestly, if that wins the spy and we, no, and we don't play it anywhere, I think I'll be a little bit bummed. Uh, the Giants, 20 implied points. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 23 implied points. Uh, the over under this one, Pete, is 43. I will say it goes under 33. 43 under 33? Okay. Um, this is the Travis Etienne breakout party. Uh, I will make it really clean. I'll say Travis Etienne in the winning Millie Maker lineup at 5,400. Okay, so do you think this is going to be a high-scoring game? No. No, but in, you know, Dayball, my mastermind, uh, <laughs> I think this could, you know, I feel like the Jags have been all over the place, right, where they showed so much promise early on, and then Lawrence has had a couple of bad games. I could just see things getting on the right track here, though. Yeah, I know the underdog stats versus film show, which I've talked about. I think you guys should just add to your repertoire and listen to them in the background because um, those guys do a great job going game by game. Like they were talking about how like the defense of Jacksonville last week was like a criminal like enterprise, basically, that they just should not have allowed Matt Ryan to do that stuff and didn't solve anything. So uh, some bad signs of the coaching staff. Isn't it crazy 
how what? quickly things change. I mean, they were top five in defensive DVOA, I think, after week two or week three. Mm-hmm. And then they're getting like lit up by Matt Ryan without Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Just super bizarre. Well, Pete, I may know a person or two behind the scenes of Football Outsiders, and I can say that, like, the first five weeks of DVOA is a little bit tough. Like, that's why they put in another projection that uses, like, their preseason evaluations. Because, like, DVOA doesn't stabilize to, like, week six or week seven. Um, so go get it at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe, because it's about as effective as it'll be right now. Uh, but Classic Spags plug. You know, the data might be a little shaky, but you still should subscribe. No, but it's, like, good now. I know, <laughs> I know. But it's, like, remember last year, like, the Panthers were number one in DVOA, like, the first four weeks, because Darnold was running hot, the defense kind of got lucky and then it's like oh never mind they're really bad and you kind of figure that out once the team finds their depth yeah um next game up we got detroit 21 implied points dallas 28 implied points on paper this looks like a dak prescott smash spot pete going against a detroit defense that is now officially the worst in the league in every possible metric so what do you want in this one i'm gonna do uh what i think is just a classic three-pointer so cd lamb is going to be mega chalk this week i see him projected as the even highest ceiling wide receiver um i'm gonna just say amon ross st brown outscores him for three points okay i will say and what are the etr projections for lamb versus gallup lamb i see 20 gallup i see 12.4 so I will say that Gallup scores, uh, I guess, two more points than C.D. Lamb for a 10-pointer. Sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think C.D. Lamb chalk shaping up pretty heavily. Also, Willis saying Elijah Moore out on Sunday after he requested a Ooh. trade. That is, boy, that is a weird situation because he has no leverage at all. <laughs> what was so weird about that was he, I believe the report earlier this morning was he was back at practice. Um, you know, he had his his day off, but it, apparently this has gone further south. Robert Sala like gave him a day off, thought that would smooth things over, and uh, apparently it did not. Wow, boy, I, do you like this from him? Like, do you like what he's doing? Because like, he clearly thinks he's an alpha, but it feels like he's putting himself in a real bad situation. I think what's weird. So if like I we don't know what's going on inside the locker room and all this stuff, but from a fantasy perspective, right? Like Garrett Wilson was balling early on and now none of them are with Zach Wilson so to me it's kind of like bizarre where it was a small sample size with Flacco where he wasn't getting a lot of work his air yards and stuff were were still solid um it wasn't like he was going completely forgotten and so it does like it's like I'd like to have a conversation with Elijah Moore and being like I know it's been a rough start but like everyone's getting punished by Zach Wilson at quarterback right now it's like I don't think it's a you thing so I don't know if I like this route from him. Um, I think they should just bench Zach Wilson, put Joe Flacco in, and everyone can be happy again. I mean, Elijah Moore getting targeted 8.3% of the time that he's on the field playing a snap. Uh, only a 60% catch rate for him, which is low on the team. Uh, they're a little bit ahead of Garrett Wilson. Uh, I don't know. Elijah Moore, I, I don't know if he's played as well to justify it this year. Uh, Justin thinks the Chiefs need to trade for DJ mm-hmm. and Elijah Moore so they can play three more receivers at once. Uh, more and more is all the better. What do you want in this game, though, Pete, with Jets and Denver? Uh, 19 implied points for both, so it is currently a pick um actually i love that trade can we get a sky more for elijah moore trade um <laughs> you just want sky more to be anywhere he might play <laughs> yeah uh sorry what were what were, what were, what were uh, we jets and now? denver oh jets and denver okay uh let's see here i do not want any piece of the broncos right now what is the line on this uh line is a pick em. it is a pick em. wow wow let's see here um Garrett Wilson target boost coming, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, how about this? I see. Man, I'm feeling so uninspired. This in this for Lunchable Connoisseur. I hope Moore takes his shirt off next game. <laughs> see those pecs. Wow. Um, God, why am I feeling so uninspired here? Let's do uh, Brees Hall. Um, what do I, how many points do I need Brees Hall to outscore Russell Wilson by for 10 points? Um, so Stochastic has 18.3 for Wilson, 14.97 for Brees Hall. So let's say 15. Um, I feel like he's got to outscore him by like seven, let's say. All right. I'll do Brees Hall outscores Russell Wilson by seven. Okay. Yeah, there we go. So that's an interesting one to go with and certainly a logical one. Melvin Gordon scores two touchdowns. Is that a 10-pointer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's got to happen at some point. And uh, he's, I mean, I do really, I do really think like he's going to get fed. You know, Nathaniel Hackett is just such a plastic bag floating in the wind that he's gonna be like, all right, now I got to give Melvin Gordon 18 carries, but two TDs is still a, a big mark to clear in this total game. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a high probability of that one, but that's why it's a 10-pointer. Houston, 19.5 implied points. Vegas, 26.5 implied points. Chalk Josh Jacobs in this one, Pete. And I will say that Josh Jacobs, despite being chalk, outscores his stochastic projection by 10. They have him at 20.99. I think he gets 31 fantasy points in this game. All right, yeah, that is certainly a 10-pointer. I'll do a similar one as I did with my CD Lamb uh, in ARSB. I'll do another cheeky three-pointer. Uh, I'll say Damian Pierce outscores Josh Jacobs. Oof, that is very cheeky. It's just like, I don't see how Jacobs fails. I don't know that he wins you a million dollars, but I don't see how he fails. Like, he feels like Ramondre to me a couple weeks ago or last week. Right, It, but to that point, like, I think that's a really good comp. I mean, he had that last touchdown at the end, like, he would have not have paid off the combo of his salary and ownership if he doesn't get that um, that TD at the end. And same thing with Josh Jacobs at 6,500. If he ends up being like 40% ownership, like he needs to get t- at least 25 to bury you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. So we'll see. I'm playing Jacobs, I think, with the field, but not going to go crazy on it. Seattle, 22.5 implied points. Chargers, 27.5 implied points. Pete, what do you want? Yeah, this game should be fun. Highest over under on the week should be getting Keenan back. It feels like everyone is down on Mike Williams. His ownership is really low right now. Um, I'll say I'll say Mike Williams in the winning Millie Maker lineup. So there you go. As Willis noted, I've now given three Millie Maker picks: JT, ETN, and Mike Dub. I, I like Mike Williams, especially if Keenan doesn't play, and I think they might hold him out for one more week with the bye coming up. Um, obviously, re- check the news items on that one over the weekend, but there was one quote he gave this week that made it sound that way. Um, I will say in this spot, man, Austin Eckler outscores Kenneth Walker. How many points does that take? How many points do you have to outscore him by for it to be a 10-pointer? For, to outscore who? Uh, Kenneth Walker. Outscoring who? Uh, Eckler has to outscore Walker. Oh, um, I mean, I'm seeing a five point gap in their projection. So yeah, that's right. So you, and you want the Eckler side? Yeah. So Eckler by then 15. Then you need to you get him 15. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. I just think Walker is, is not going to be good chalk. So that's the, that's tan that I want to take this week. Um, Kansas city, 25.5 implied points, uh, San Francisco with their new running back, Christian McCaffrey, 23.5 implied points. Pete, what do you want in the super bowl rematch? Um, what do you what do you have on the gap in projection between Kelsey and Kittle? Uh, Kelsey is at seventeen point six on stochastic, twelve point five for Kittle. Um. Okay, so that would be a, what a five point gap. Yep. I'll say Kittle outscores Kelsey by five for ten pointer. Okay, I guess that's an interesting one. I like that. Um, I can tell the the. Uh, when your voice um, just dips down a little bit there, you're just like game recognized game. Well played. I can, just, <laughs> I can hear it. That's me realizing fuck Pete. That's Pete's one 10 pointer for the week that I have to keep up with now. Um, I will say, okay. McCole Hardman outscores Travis Kelsey. Is that a 10 pointer? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's okay. a 10 pointer. And then Sunday night football, we will pick our showdown captain without doing any diligence on this part. Pittsburgh 19 or 18.8 implied points. Miami 25.8 implied points. Pete, who will be your showdown? winning captain on Sunday night football. Well, we did just get some news here as well. We have um, Pat Fryermuth and George, not George, uh, Kenny Pickett clearing the concussion protocol. So both of those guys should be in. I'll, uh, I'll say Tyree kill though, winning okay. captain lineup. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do something I like to call leveraging against that play. <laughs> I'm going to take Jalen Waddle showdown winning captain. <laughs> classic leverage spot. And our last question here from Brock before Pete goes over to Sirius XM to go do his show on there. Fellas slash chat, which side would you rather have Chubb and Gabe Davis or Mixon, Jacoby Robinson and dubs? I think I would rather have the Chubb Gabe Davis side, Pete, but that's, that's a tight one. This is getting me warmed up for Sirius XM. This is a look into my future for two hours. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like those pieces, but the roster spots end up being so valuable, right? Because you often have to ask yourself, who are the two people you're cutting if you're on the Brian Robinson or Dobbs side, mm-hmm. right? And I'm guessing that that ends up, like I prefer to have the studs and then be able to churn those roster spots. Because it's like, say you're able to pick up a Tyquan Thornton, a Wandell Robinson, like I don't think those guys are going to be that far behind Dobbs and, and Brian Robinson as value. So I always get the best players in the deal. Chubb, a big upgrade on Mixon. Gabe Davis, a big upgrade on Jacoby. Give me the studs. 
All right, there you go. So, Pete, give the people the plugs here. Of course, they can follow you at Peter Roversett. They can follow me at Chris Spags. They can follow the show at Splash Play Pod, but they can go hear more content for you for a few hours coming up in a mere eight minutes. Yep, SiriusXM at 11. Matthew calls in uh, every Friday, so you can tune into that. And then I'll be back um, for my GPP show at 2 p.m. with JM. Been getting lots of good feedback on that, how to approach the slate from a single-entry 3-max mindset jm always uh cooking up very unique ideas that uh are not generally on my radar so it always kind of like reorients me heading into the weekend so I recommend tuning in for that please ask him about the the chiefs mccaffrey block today because i'm seeing that as an interesting one. Ooh, okay uh <laughs> I, I i don't know i mean i don't know if you can play mccaffrey in dfs like i think he's gonna get like i think they'll make because he's already on the slate so i think they would just switch the teams for him I, dude, that's my bad. I keep forgetting that he went to Stanford. He's fine. You can jam him. <laughs> there you go, guys. Go follow up. Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. Come back on Monday as well. But, of course, the flagship shows with me and Pete every single Friday on here. We'll see you guys again soon. Good luck this weekend. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.